everything we know about you guys is wrong. Hey, cassettes, and welcome back to the Black Case Diaries. Hey. No. Welcome back. Oh. You made it back. We missed you. We did, mm. you know? Yep. Well, maybe not Adam, but... <laughs> Adam didn't miss you. He was just talking yeah. about how he doesn't like you. Yeah, so, oh, sorry to tell mouth. you. Yeah. <sighs> but you know, we're cool. We're cool. Yeah. Look, yeah. We're your friends. Yeah. We're, t- we'll, we're honest with you. We'll, t- we'll tell you. Stop <laughs> putting correct words in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love it. We're three old friends learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Marcy. I'm Robin. And I'm Adam. Hey, what's up? Back in the spring of 2010, a time that feels like it was both yesterday and 57 years Good ago. grief, man. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah, it does. quite I, a bit. I still feel like when people talk about the 90s, I'm like, yeah, that was recently. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. only 20 years ago. It was like, yeah, Jeez, a blink of an man. eye away. DreamWorks Animation released their 19th feature film. It was a computer animated fantasy epic set somewhere in the North Sea. It followed a scrawny Viking named Hiccup and his best friend, a dragon named Toothless. Yay! Oh, man. I didn't know this was this far into their like filmography. Yeah, yeah. right? I thought it was way yeah. earlier. Yeah, you'd think they really, <laughs> I thought the same thing. But when I looked it up, they were really churning them out mm-hmm. at DreamWorks. <laughs> like two yeah. movies a year. Like when yeah. Disney was, you know, it was like mm-hmm. every other year or so or every couple of years, they were just movie after movie. <laughs> oh. They were just pulling that lever. <laughs> <laughs> and go, and go. Okay. <laughs> How to Train Your Dragon is considered by many to be the best film that DreamWorks Animation has in its collection. In fact, Rotten Tomatoes ranks it as their highest rated film from the studio out of 42 features. Oof. Yeah. It's, that's, that's a lot of features. Yes. And it is. They have it as number one. It's their highest rated movie. Even better than oh, Shrek man. 2. Shrek 2 <laughs> is, I think, second. Or it's... Ooh. Shrek 2 is definitely lower, but it's higher than Shrek 1. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful story about friendship filled with humor and absolutely breathtaking music. And, of course, this movie has a lot of dragons. A lot of dragons. <laughs> like, last week, the movie we talked about had one dragon. Yeah. One. one. This one, a lot. Yeah. There were a lot of dragons. Many. Yeah. We went one to a billion yes. in just I mean, one week. Yeah, there's no way to count. Because at first, it seems like, okay, they're common enough. Mm-hmm. They're like as common as wolves, yeah, mm-hmm. or something like that, because yeah. they're you know t- stealing their sheep and stuff like that. <laughs> but then, like later on in the series, no, they're like a hive of like oh, yeah. bees or ants. Mm-hmm. Like there are thousands oh, of so them, many. <laughs> so many, so many. So come ride with us to the land of Burke as we learn about how to train your dragon. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we've said it all already. Let's just I know. turn off You know the what? Psh, just go watch it. You just got go it. Just go watch it and then you're like, that's we'll, it. We'll post these notes on our blog and <laughs> that's it. We're letting class out early, folks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What if that was the show? <laughs> it's a it's a 5-minute show of an introduction and we're like, here's where you can stream the movie. And go read the blog if you want to learn about all the stuff. And, See you uh, next time. Maybe that's what we'll do. Maybe it's going to be our new format. That's a mega downsize. <laughs> yeah. So those of you who haven't seen this movie, obviously missing out hardcore. Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah. here is a summary for you. Hiccup, a young Viking living on the Isle of Burke, wants to prove himself as a dragon slayer. The Vikings of Burke are constantly battling the winged creatures as they destroy their homes and steal their livestock. Hiccup's father, Stoic, wants his son to live up to the family's reputation as a long line of fierce fighters. But Hiccup isn't exactly the son that Stoic expected. While attempting to kill a dragon, Hiccup accidentally encounters the rarest dragon of all, a night fury. He then befriends the dragon and discovers that there may be a lot more to the animals than he thought. Yes. Such a great line, like such a great way to hook you 
it this the idea of this movie is just mm-hmm. clever and I want to watch it right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a good movie. It's such a good franchise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love these movies. All of them are mm-hmm. so good. And you know it's funny. I actually didn't watch this when it first came out. And I don't know why. I we mm. were in high school at the time. Yeah. So for whatever reason, I didn't make it to the movie theater. Uh, yeah. And I got to college, and my one of the girls in my dorm was like, have you seen this movie? And I said, mm-hmm. no. And she was like, that's, that's weird. I feel like yeah. if anyone would like this movie, <laughs> it'd be you. Yeah. So I, I watched it, and I was like, yeah, this movie's pretty, pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty fantastic. So You're too busy being yes. the most popular kid in school in high school. Right? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's a fantastic franchise as a whole, man. I haven't actually watched any of the series yeah. that have come out. Oh yeah. But man, the three movies are top. Yeah, tier. they're phenomenal. So let's talk a little bit about the book or the book series. What? Yes, that this is yeah. based on. How to Turn Your Dragon is based on a very popular children's book series written by British author Cressida Cowell. As a child, she spent a lot of her time in the summer on an uninhabited island off the west coast of Scotland. Oh, that sounds perfect. Yes. She talked about these summers on her website saying, The house was lit by candlelight, and there was no telephone or television, so I spent a lot of time drawing and writing stories. In the evening, my father told us tales of the Vikings who invaded this island archipelago 1,200 years before of the quarrelsome tribes who fought and tricked each other, and of the legends of the dragons who were supposed to live in the caves in the cliffs. Vikings believed in dragons. They thought they were magic because they could exist in all four elements, air, fire, water, and earth. That is so cool. Yeah, it is. Just listening to her like that she's so poetic mm-hmm. you know like that's oh, yeah. definitely a writer for sure oh yeah one sure. one that is very secluded from yeah. the internet and tv yeah yes <laughs> she talked a bit about going to this uninhabited island she mm. was like it was kind of like living like a viking we that's had to cool. catch our own food we there was no stores around wow it was Literally, they built a house on this uninhabited island. That's so, so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I could never. No. But it sounds cool. Right? I would do it for like a, a vacation. Yeah. But oh, I yeah. don't know if I could live out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man. Cowell based the town and land of Burke on this island using picture references from her childhood. However, Burke is much more fantastical. Yeah, it's very exaggerated. Yeah. <laughs> it's the very extreme cliffs and and like like <laughs> spire mountains that are like super it's, thin at the yeah, top. Y- yeah, you think unlivable. Yeah. You know, only the toughest of the tough could live here. Right. Cressida was consulted during the film's creation, but she largely tried to let the film become its own. The one major difference between the two is that the directors and co-writers, Chris Sanders and Dean DeBloa, made the Vikings and Dragons enemies so that there would be a bigger conflict to solve. Interesting. Yeah. I guess, so in a way, maybe it's like the movie is a prequel to her books? Yeah. If they're already maybe. friends in the books? Yeah. <laughs> maybe, yeah, I guess that's true. In yeah. a way. Yeah. yeah. It's the classic, yes. the classic thing. Oh, mm-hmm. the dragons, they, they eat our livestock, they burn our villages. We do not like mm-hmm. them. Classic, yes. <laughs> So, the, yeah, yeah, almost like a Romeo and Juliet, but like oh, with yeah. a dragon, yes, with a, dragon and boy, yes, and boy. <laughs> Shakespeare's Dragon and Boy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <It's> bestseller. <laughs> bestseller. One of the major similarities between the two stories is the relationship between parents and children. Cressida was very interested in how parents and children could love each other so much and yet be two totally different people. This is shown within the film as we follow the bond and differences between Hiccup and his father, Stoic. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that is one cool thing about the movie is how their relationship still kind of matters and works. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Because th- there are a lot of other movies out there where the child character is like, completely unable to relate to parents and vice versa, and they just kind of go off and do their own thing. The parents become somewhat irrelevant, 
Mm-hmm. I know a lot of children's TV shows do this as well, where the parents yeah. are there, but they're not really. Yeah, yeah. But I like to see that despite Hiccup is not really fitting Stoic's plan, he, it's still his son. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to completely lose touch or anything like that. It might be difficult sometimes, but, you know. Yeah. I think this is a very common thing, the disconnect between a father and a son. A lot of the men that I know have a little bit of an issue where, you know, they are not what their dad expected or they're very different from their Mm -hmm. dad and they Mm -hmm. feel like they should be similar because it's like father, son. You think... Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you know what I mean. Carbon copy. No, yes, <laughs> yes. And so yeah, this is a this is a thing that's pretty common. You know, where Hiccup feels like he's not good enough for his dad. Yeah, because he's not his dad mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. He couldn't be more different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Cressida talked about how she liked this relationship because she saw this relationship in her father and her her mm. father was very different from her but yeah. she loved him so much and he loved her so much and you see that within the stoic and hiccup relationship too you can see they really care for each other they yeah. want what's best for each other mm-hmm. it's just a little bit hard to overcome those differences but they they try <laughs> yeah yeah it reminds me of a movie that did it a little more on the nose mm-hmm. recently is The Mitchells versus the Machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's kind of that same thing with the disconnect between generations, right? So it's it's really cool and I love that they're able to fit this into such a fantastic yeah. rest of the movie, right? With dragons <laughs> and Vikings and just really cool ways to, to do it. Because wanting to relate to your father going against his own feelings, right? immediately becoming friends with a dragon who is supposedly the worst one, the Night mm-hmm. Fury being yeah. the absolute yeah. worst one, right? So it's it's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> How to Train Your Dragon was directed by Dean DeBloa and Chris Sanders, as we talked before. Both men were already animation veterans, having co-written and directed Lilo and Stitch, among other projects. So we yeah. <laughs> yeah. They had that under the belt. Yeah, Lilo and Stitch, I mean, yeah. yes. Which I think there are people that correlate uh, Stitch's face a bit to oh. Toothless's face. You it's know, got I that see rounded. It. Yes, mm-hmm. with the bears, the teeth, and yes. Yes. Uh, I, I agree. You yeah, know, there are a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. They also co-wrote the screenplay for How to Train Your Dragon with writer Will Davies. The men worked well together, sometimes writing scenes separately and then bringing them to each other for edits. That's That's cool. cool. That's neat. Especially because the movie flows really well and you'd think it wouldn't if the scenes were written separately. Yeah. The animators decided to make the film look as if it had been filmed and not animated. This meant that the quality of light had to appear more realistic. They brought in legendary cinematographer Roger Deakins to help them visualize certain scenes. Deakins loved helping so much that he stayed on for the entire project. All right. Roger Deakins of Blade Runner (laughs) and the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. I believe. I believe we talked about him then. Oh, my goodness. Known for maybe a few things. Yes. (laughs) Unbelievable. Legendary. The movements, camera work, and lighting all contributed to making each scene appear as if the filmmakers did not have complete control. They even tried to overexpose some spots in the scenes to show imperfections. Yeah. What an interesting way to go about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just to differentiate your animation somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you're trying to not be Disney but compete with Disney. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That's DreamWorks' whole thing. Mm-hmm. But this is a very strange and different way to go about it. Yeah. You know, it's not as strange in animation now because- studios are really trying different stuff now but back then if you think about a a disney movie especially one that would would be coming out around this time Mm -hmm. because this is around the time of princess and the frog and Mm -hmm. tangled and Mm -hmm. those are the movies that are like in this in this era and 
think about how perfect those movies are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is animation, folks. We can control everything. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, we no. can make it look perfect. We don't have to wait for a cloudy day to get the nice even mm-hmm. light. We can just go ahead and draw it. Yeah. And so when you're doing animation and, and you have the imperfections of, oh, the light was a little harsh and, you know, people were moving kind of fast and, you know, we you know, had, a, had a hard day. We had to do this in between takes. That, that kind of like rushed, imperfect thing, that sense that yeah. comes with a live action movie and put that into animation to make it seem... Even though everybody at home or in theater watching knows it's not real, they know it's animation. <laughs> yeah, but it still has a, a level of realism that other animated movies don't have. Yeah, the visual effects supervisor Craig Ring explained that there were a lot of complex designs created for the film, especially in the opening scene. How to Train Your Dragon begins with a chaotic battle between the Vikings of Burke and the dragons. The team had to design the fire, catapults, houses, and of course the characters as well. At first, the directors wanted the film to open without narration, but after several versions were created, they realized that the audience might be confused if they had not read the books. Yes. (laughs) I don't, I can't imagine this opening without, Mm -hmm. this is Burke. Yes. Here we have a unique kind of pest, you know, (laughs) I I don't, I don't really, I can't imagine it without that beginning. It would be a little strange, you know, it's like, okay, it's kind of hard to follow. What am I being thrown into? Who am I trying to follow? Yeah, who am I rooting for? What's going on here? Matt Baer, who was the head of effects, explained that the most challenging part of the film was designing the different types of fire that each dragon breathes. Computer animation gave the team the freedom to use any kind of fire possible, and Craig Ring wanted the fire to be so flammable that it could burn the dirt. Yeah. Even the dirt catches fire in this. Yes. Yeah. You you can see the fire, like, wrapping around the edges of houses. And ceilings. And there's there's this one dragon where it's like two heads and one yes. spits the venom mm-hmm. and then the other head lights the Sparks venom on it, fire. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. That's neat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's all these different kinds of fire, like just all oh, different mm-hmm. chemistries and makeups of each one. Yeah, and... it really differentiates the dragons. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so cool. It has almost like a liquidy quality to yes. it. Yes. Right? And it's still fire. Yeah. But it's more than that. It's mm-hmm. dragon fire. It's something. Yeah, it's it's different. different. Yes. It's weird. And because it's all in the computer, they don't have to worry about it burning down the set. Yes. Ah, <laughs> they can right. use any kind they want. Yes. Even more expensive than animating fire was filming the characters as they interacted with water. Vikings are known for sailing, so there had to be a couple of scenes with characters on the water. One scene required rain, but that proved to be too much of a challenge. So instead, they animated the scenery as if it were wet and had just experienced a rainstorm. Interesting. Yeah. Didn't have enough ram to do the the rain. Yeah, or just money. They said it was so expensive. Interesting. To do do rain and just, you know, because at this time... Remember when Moana came out? That yeah. was 2016, mm-hmm. I think. Uh-huh. That was mind blowing in terms of water. Right. You know, yes. right. that was like the best animated mm-hmm. water movie. Yeah, yeah. Anybody had ever seen. It was unbelievable, <laughs> like how good the water looked. Oh yeah. James Cameron's gonna have a lot to mm. do oh, yeah. with his next Avatar movie because oh, apparently boy. it's like heavily water focused. Oh. Good luck, dude. <laughs> Water's difficult. Although I'm sure they, he knows. they did say that. Being underwater was cheaper or better to do than ah. having water fall on you. Yeah. Like raindrops was then, really like, difficult. Yeah, because rain it has to like interact with yeah. all these points on point. the character mm-hmm. and like, you know. It's... Like it has to hit their hair, which their hair is going to act differently yes. than their clothes. And, and also like their hair has to change its its texture yes. while now that it's w- going from dry mm-hmm. to wet. And... and hair is already difficult enough. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah. good point. Dude, Disney throwing around their money making Moana then. Yeah. Like, we're not only going to make the water beautiful, the water is going to be a character. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Take that. DreamWorks. Dang. 
DreamWorks used an entirely new rendering system to make sure that the clouds in the film looked as realistic as possible, with light scattered through them. As a team, Ring and Bear almost never said no to all of the crazy ideas that the team dreamt up for the film. They were just so excited to make it all work. That is cool. Yeah. After a while, I'd be like, we're going to start saying no, right? <laughs> like, like, at some point, like, no. <laughs> I'm not going to be movie's spending supposed all to come nighters. out in a couple of months, I feel like, maybe. <laughs> right, wrap this up a little. Speaking of the opening scene, How to Train Your Dragon wastes no time establishing the story. The film opens with narration from Hiccup, played by Jay Baruchel. Jay was thrilled to be a part of the film and loved that his character has a similar build to himself. Yeah. <laughs> he fits the character in real life so well. Like, if they ever did a live action or, like, a stage version, which I think there is. Yeah. Yeah. Then he, they should just do, use him. <laughs> just, just have him play Hiccup in real life, too. The undercurrent of the entire movie is the relationship between Hiccup and his father, Stoic. The audience learns early on that the two characters do not have much in common, although Hiccup desperately wants to make his father proud. Scottish actor Gerard Butler brought the massive Stoic to life. It was important to him that Stoic not be seen as a villain, but just as someone who doesn't understand his son. His character is meant to represent all things Viking, strong, fearless, and focused on the survival of his people. He's very... Stoic. <laughs> I mean, it's a perfect name. Yeah. Yeah. And he is technically an antagonist in this movie because yeah. he is, you know, for a little bit at least, mm-hmm. because he's he's a bit of a an obstacle. You know, he's one of the reasons that, you know, things are happening and not the way we want them to. Yes. And, um, you know, he has to kind of, you know, have, go through his own journey in this movie and overcome his own things in order to be there for his son. But yeah, it, he he just doesn't get him. He doesn't no. understand mm-hmm. Hiccup, yeah. and he thinks dragons are dangerous, and he doesn't understand why his son would defy him mm-hmm. so much and choose dragons over the people in the village. Oh, I mean, you man. can't. You kind of can't blame him when you put it that way, you know. Yeah. If you've grown up your entire life, yeah, mm-hmm. and you've lived in this village for however long. And the dragons have always been a nuisance. They've always been dangerous. They've always destroyed things. Yeah. And from Stoic's perspective, it took away Hiccup's mom. Yes. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So all of these things combined, and then your son, not just somebody in the village, mm-hmm. your freaking son yeah. <laughs> is the one who's like, no, I'm not going to kill him. Yeah. yeah. Like, Are <laughs> you <laughs> kidding me? Not only am I not going to kill him, I'm going to be friends with them. Yes. Yeah. And I think all of us should stop killing them. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh that's, boy. That's, hard, that's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. <laughs> Another important relationship in the film is the budding romance between Hiccup and Astrid, played by America Ferreira. After getting the part, she immediately bought the book. Aw. Oh, nice. That's so cute. Astrid avoids the stereotypes of romantic leading ladies. She's strong and independent, and she provides important guidance and support for Hiccup throughout the film. The filmmakers purposely made Astrid the most serious and capable kid in the group, mirroring the other adult Vikings. When she accepts Toothless, it shows that the rest of the village will be able to come around as well. Astrid is the person that convinced Hiccup that his inability to kill dragons is a strength and not a weakness. Why is this so important to you all of a sudden? Because I want to remember what you say right now. Oh, for the love of... I I was a coward. I was weak. I wouldn't kill a dragon. You said wouldn't that time. Whatever. I wouldn't. 300 years and I'm the first Viking who wouldn't kill a dragon. First to ride one, though. Yeah, Astrid's so important. Oh, yeah. You know, sometimes in these movies or stories that we watch, you know, the love interest, even if it doesn't matter if the main character is male, female, whatever, Mm -hmm. the love interest often doesn't serve as big a purpose as Astrid does in this movie. Yeah. You know, sometimes the love interest is just kind of like, just like an add-on character. You know, they Mm -hmm. don't develop that person very much or that kind of thing. But in this, you know, she's really in the movie right with him the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like she's she's a big 
part of it. She's definitely not a manic pixie dream girl. She's <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. She absolutely, I think that they would not have been successful without her. She's yes. an invaluable part oh, of yeah. the whole movie. And yeah, I mean. She grows, she changes. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because she's kind of, you know, more of what Stoic wishes Hiccup was, right? Yeah. At least at the at beginning. Least, yeah. yeah. She's, you know, she's going through the Dragon Slayer training and knocking it out of the park, right? Mm -hmm. She's doing it right every time. Yeah. And only until Hiccup is able to convince her, it's like, yeah, like what you said. She, yeah. you know, she's convinced. Well, anyone can be convinced then. Mm -hmm. And and Hiccup being able to do that is like, well, let me show you. So then I might have more confidence to show my dad. Mm-hmm. How to Train Your Dragon isn't just a feel-good fantasy film. It also has a lot of humor. Scottish actor and TV personality Craig Ferguson brought some comic relief as Gobber, a friend of Stoics and the man tasked with teaching the next group of dragon fighters. Ferguson and Butler were already friends in real life, so their chemistry for the film came naturally. He doesn't listen. He has the attention span of a sparrow. I take him fishing and he goes hunting for, for trolls. Trolls exist. They steal your socks. But only the left ones. What's with that? When I was a boy. Oh, here we go. My father told me to bang my head against a rock and I did it. I thought it was crazy, but I didn't question him. And you know what happened? You go ahead, Eek. While taking lessons in dragon fighting, Hiccup spends time with a group of Vikings his own age. Besides Astrid, the group is generally a comedic and bumbling bunch, though they like to tease Hiccup for his lack of fighting abilities. When filmmakers heard Christopher Mintz Plas' voice, they knew he would be perfect for the role of Fishlegs, the dragon geek of the group. There, some of these names are, are pretty great. Fishlegs. Fishlegs Fish is very legs. funny. Yes, because as they explain in the movie, when you're a Viking... They believe that you need to name your baby the most disgusting or mm -hmm. odd or fearful name, mm -hmm. you know. Hence <laughs> Hiccup. Yeah. And... Right. <laughs> Which Fishlegs is responsible for showing Hiccup the different kinds of dragons. This is one of my favorite parts of the movie is just the sheer number of species mm -hmm. and how like developed each one is. Yeah. And there's all yeah. this specific mm -hmm. lore and specific traits. Yeah. And we already mentioned the different fire. And, mm -hmm. and Fishlegs just rattles off this he's information. He's such a nerd, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's just, it's, it's almost like a Pokemon or something. He knows yeah, exactly, exactly how many hit Yeah. <laughs> they should do How to Train Your Dragon trading cards like Pokemon. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. That With all the so different cool. dragons. Yeah, Jonah Hill lent his voice to the cocky Snotlout, while Kristen Wiig and TJ Miller voiced the twins Toughnut and Roughnut. Sometimes the actors were able to record all in the same room and could improvise lines. This made the relationships between them seem more real. Yeah. That's, that's something, if I ever have the privilege to work on an animated movie mm -hmm. like this, I would insist that the voice <laughs> actors record together. Yeah. yeah. Because it seems to always make it better, especially it's, if it, yeah. the movie is supposed to be funny or, or yeah. have that kind of feel, right? It is better when they're together. It yeah. is. I love the footage of it when they're together. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And for this movie, they tried to do it as much as possible. Whenever yeah. the actors were in the same like state or area, definitely they tried. If Toothless seems to act familiar to a common animal that may be in your household, it's because he is very similar. While Simon Otto and Takeo Naguchi worked closely designing Toothless, it was Gabe Hordos the supervising animator on Toothless, that really worked on his mannerisms and behaviors. In order to do this, he took a lot of inspiration from his newly adopted cat. Oh, boy. There it is. Yes, Toothless <laughs> is a cat. Thinks, yeah. Absolutely, 100%. And Adam's cat, Azula, mm -hmm. yeah. reminds me of Toothless. Yeah, she's <laughs> all black. All black with the green eyes. Yes, she's so cute. And yeah, like, Toothless, there was, I know there was even a part, there was even a time when he took, 
a ball of tape and it was like a sticky ball of tape. Uh, okay. And he stuck it to his cat's tail <laughs> to see how the cat reacted to it. Right. And they right. modeled this. There's a scene in the oh movie they modeled after that. Mm-hmm. The cat's reaction to like trying to get the ball off of oh, his tail. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just so many little like modeling things and yeah, Toothless is a cat. Yeah, there you go. Yes, you know, I believe if if birds came from dinosaurs, cats came from dragons. Mm-hmm. Wow, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's write a book about that. Yes. <laughs> Simon also led the animator team through a flight school. This basically consisted of studying different flying creatures and seeing how they moved through the air. This made the flying feel more real because it was based on real physics. Yes, and... Very smart. And it's another difference between the dragons, mm. right? Toothless is a very graceful flyer. Yeah. But those big, chunky ones that I don't know the <laughs> name of who, like, oh, spit balls, balls. <laughs> yeah. rather than breathe fire, it's yeah. just, like, fireballs. They fly like a bee, right? Yes. They're just be kind of carried <laughs> by their own wings. And, and, then, <laughs> and then the two-headed ones kind of go like this, almost like a kind of like inspired by Asian dragons, yes. but they still have the wings. Yeah. Their heads yeah. move up and down like I that. It. It's like s- these subtle differences, it, it just adds mm-hmm. to that, and I love it so much. Yes. <laughs> At this time, there had already been dragon movies, and so it was decided early on that there needed to be something that made this dragon story different. This prompted the team to design a dragon unlike anything audiences had ever seen. They looked at large cats and other mammals instead of large reptiles, specifically focusing on how large cats stare at other animals. The team also came up with the concept of a part mechanical dragon. And I, I like that, you know, in this lore, you know, the dragons mm-hmm. are animals, Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, there's still there's still a level of intelligence that like yeah. separates them, the, yeah. you know, from yeah. like the dogs and the cats. And the sheep and the, yeah. yeah, like mm-hmm. there it's they're still you know they're, they're still a little more on the level. It's kind of like us and dolphins. That's what I was yeah. gonna say. Yeah. They're probably close to dolphins or even some apes. Yeah, mm-hmm. like they're pretty dang smart. Mm-hmm. Obviously, able to understand human language even. Yeah. Like once trained, obviously. Yeah. But there's so much more that a regular, you know, domestic animal wouldn't be able to do or understand, rather. Mm-hmm. The most central relationship in the film was the one between Hiccup and Toothless, which reinforces how dangerous ignorance and misunderstanding can be. During Hiccup's first interaction with Toothless, we find out that Hiccup permanently damaged Toothless's tail, making it so he cannot fly on his own. This scene was the first one to be fully animated, and it set up the concept for the entire film. This is the pivotal moment when Hiccup ultimately decides that he cannot kill dragons. Yeah, because early on, in like one of the first scenes of the movie, Hiccup mm-hmm. kind of blindly shoots at mm-hmm. Toothless, yeah. not knowing. I mean, he sees it, he knows it's a night fury, and he hits mm-hmm. it. And you know, then later on in this scene that I just talked about being the first one, this was like their proof of concept scene. Yeah. And this is the scene where, you know, he's like, aha, I caught you. You know, <laughs> he caught the dragon. He's yes. like, I'm going to kill it. Ah, no, I'm not. I can't yeah. kill it. I can't kill can't. this dragon. I'm looking at its eye and yeah. staring yeah. at me. And it's like, okay. Uh. Because of Toothless's missing part, Hiccup must rig a mechanical tail that allows him to fly. The directors described it as having a Miyazaki quality to it. Hey, I yeah. I can see that for sure. Yeah, the way, just like the design of it and like yeah. the way mm-hmm. Miyazaki's always had those flying mm-hmm. <laughs> mechanical things Ringed. in all of his movies. Yeah. Yes. It's a very hodgepodge contraption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know, built by somebody who doesn't have a lot of resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it still functions perfectly well. It's, yeah. 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 And that's another thing like we learn about Hiccup here is that he's a pretty good engineer. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah. He just builds a tail for this dragon that mm-hmm. he just met. Like, yeah. And it works. That's like, dang. Pretty fantastic. To incorporate 3D into the movie, they really took advantage of when Toothless was flying. This was one of those oh, movies yeah. that was released in 3D. You know. Yep. So they did a lot of things that, you know, would wow the 3D audience. Ooh. 
this was in that era guys i don't i don't know if how young our listeners are because we probably have some (laughs) younger ones i there really was a time when every movie (laughs) that came out was 3d it was and and i don't know it was this crazy phase that we all went through where we all spent four extra dollars <gasps> so that we could have a pair of glasses that we had to throw away at yep. the end. A headache. And a headache. I mean, it was <laughs> I mean, yeah. legitimately like this. Paid for a headache. We did that for years. <laughs> yeah. Years of just only 3D movies. In the original series written by Cressida, she has built a world with many dragons that differ from each other. She was inspired to do this because her father was a bird watcher, and this helped her formulate that there could be different types of dragons. So thinking of them as birds really helps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, that's why there's so many different species. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and they're all over the place. Yeah. The movie furthered this idea and had their animator, Nico Marlet, design thousands of drawings of dragons. These designs can also be seen in the Book of Dragons that Hiccup flips through and also in the ending credits. They definitely didn't want all those drawings to go to waste, so that's why they added them into the credits and things. Yeah. And it leaves it open to always be ready to discover more. Yes. Because, yeah, sure, these are the ones that hang around Burke, but, Mm -hmm. like, obviously Uh, there's more beyond. Yeah. A typical dragon contained about 4,000 controls. These controls would be the wing, leg, face, or other movements. If you think about it like a marionette, that's a lot of strings to pull. Jeez, oh man. Yes. (laughs) Sean Fennell and his team were responsible for the crowds of dragons that appear in the film. The crowds department has a really tough job that often gets overlooked. They do the same thing that regular animators do, but they do it hundreds of times for many more characters. They developed the behaviors for the dragons, like flying and breathing, and they essentially rubber-stamped them onto the character models. I mean, you have to. With the the number of dragons, individuals, Mm -hmm. you you gotta do that. Yes, crowds are so hard. Uh Uh-huh. It's gonna be some. There's gonna be some spoilers here. Yeah. For this movie oh. that's 12 years old. Oh, Just letting you. You know, if you haven't seen it, please go see it. Come yeah. Back. Go watch it and yeah. Yeah. The film ends with a large scale battle, and the filmmakers knew it would be difficult to believe that all the characters made it out unscathed. So they made the decision that Hiccup would lose the bottom half of his leg. When they showed the incomplete film to Steven Spielberg. He made a comment that the relationship between Toothless and Hiccup in the final act felt more like a cowboy and his horse. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Which I can see, you know, if you take out the end of the movie, mm-hmm. I I can see that. You know, yeah. it's like they have this really meaningful relationship in the beginning, but then after a while it begins to feel more like, oh, it's like he tamed the dragon. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like, of oh, a friendship. The, that wild horse was broken, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> like, oh, uh... yeah. He suggested that when Hiccup wakes to find that he has lost his leg, Toothless is there with him and helps him walk. The filmmakers loved the idea and fought to put it in the final cut. My man, Steven Spielberg, he's so oh, good, yeah. man. He's smart. He knew. He's just got a simple thing. Hey, yes. here's yes. this little change you can make that makes all the difference. Yeah, yeah. it makes a huge difference. Because before, he was just going to wake up on his own mm-hmm. yeah. and on his own make his way out. But now, it's something that he went through with Toothless. Yeah. Toothless yeah. was there for him. Yeah, just yeah. like he was there for Toothless. Exactly. Yeah. During the first screenings, adult members of the test audiences overwhelmingly loved the ending. They made the comment that no matter what they do, do not take out Hiccup's injury in the end. One boy at the screening reportedly said, Hiccup lost his leg but gained so much more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like a for real mm-hmm. understanding, a for real friendship, a yeah. for real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just better. <laughs> yes. Everything. They were, yeah. So, they were so impressed that this little boy got that out of this. They were like, <laughs> oh my gosh. He did it. <laughs> you yeah, did we, it. You got it. We made oh the movie. God. We made it. <laughs> we did it. Because of this, Hiccup now understands Toothless on a deeper level, having to alter his way of life because of an injury. In a way, they complete each other, emotionally and physically. The loss of Hiccup's leg is never treated like something terrible or shameful. Mm-hmm. It's and, never, yeah, yeah, and in a way, later on in the sequels, he it's like 
almost better fitting for the contraptions. Yeah, he can do more things. Yeah. It's very yeah. versatile, yeah. Because as you mentioned before, Robin, he's a very good engineer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sure, he's got this this leg that allows him to walk, but then him getting able to do whatever he wants to it yeah. turns it into just whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And All he, these crazy things. Yeah, and he's never like sad about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think he looks down at it and it's just kind of like, oh, you know, but like, that's it. He doesn't yeah. wallow in it. He's not upset, yeah. you know. And I think it helps that a lot of other Vikings have similar injuries. Yes. You think about Gobber. Gobber already has <laughs> uh, like a leg, yeah. most of a leg off and a hand. Yeah. So he's used to seeing that, being around that. It's not a huge shock, yes. I suppose. Yeah. It's also rare for a film protagonist to have a prosthetic limb. This provided some much-needed representation for people with prosthesis. Absolutely, I don't know any others that I, yeah, off the top of my head. Rare. Yeah, it's pretty rare. It's pretty rare. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they don't really refer to it anymore either. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Like they show that he's modified it or done something with it, or yeah. it's connected yeah. to t- the tr- contraption mm-hmm. on Toothless Two, but they're ne- they never they bring it up it. anymore. It's yeah. not yeah. a thing. Mm-mm. It's just that's just what How Hiccup it does now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to jump right in to some of the music for this movie. We mentioned that it was oh, yeah. so very lovely. John Powell composed the music for the film. His music breathes depth and atmosphere into the story. We personally consider this to be one of his best scores, along with the other two films in, in this franchise. The scores mm-hmm. for all three of these movies are phenomenal. Oh, absolutely yeah. beautiful scores. Yes. I mean, this is this is top tier stuff. Mm-hmm. Powell has composed for other animated greats like Kung Fu Panda, Rio, and Ferdinand. Oh, couple of blue sky. Yeah, that's right. There. Kung Fu Panda being another pretty successful one for DreamWorks. For DreamWorks. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Robin loves this music so much. It's true. I do. That she walked down the aisle to Romantic Flight, the theme music that plays when Astrid and Hiccup ride Toothless for the first time. Yeah. That's the music that played. Freaking cute is that? Yeah. Adorable. Yep. I'm pretty cute. (laughs) (laughs) And you didn't see this movie when it came out. I know. I know. That's amazing, right? Yonsi Bergeson, an Icelandic singer, performed the song for the end credits. He created the song in two days because he loved the movie so much. Oh, that's cool. That's really sweet. I know he sang the song for the end credits for the second, second one, Second one as well. Nice. I really like that song. Yeah. There are times in the film, however, that do not have any music at all. Randy Tom, one of the sound mixers, made a strong argument that the audience needs a break, and so there are scenes with no music. This brings seriousness and a heaviness to the conversations during these scenes. We can see and hear this clearly during the point when Hiccup and his father Stoic are talking before Stoic heads out for the first time to find the dragon lair. It's an easy way to create a heavy, dramatic (laughs) thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's like super uncommon. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like. A lot of Western movies, especially, we mm. like there to be music in mm-hmm. 90% of the movie. Right. Yeah. Silence makes us uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of, there are movies that exist that have no score at all, but mm-hmm. generally, yeah, we don't like the long silences, but it's yeah. really nice when they give us breathing room. Yeah. They give us a chance to just listen to what's what they're mm-hmm. saying on mm-hmm. the screen. And, to your point, I think it's meant to make us feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. in some yeah. of these moments. It's to yeah. show us the gravity of the situation. Right. Mm-hmm. We know that stoic going after the dragon lair is not a yeah. good thing mm-hmm. happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. So there's also some scenes where there is a little bit of music, but there's not really any dialogue. For example, when when Hiccup goes and takes that first fish to toothless oh yeah there's a i mean he narrates just a teeny bit like he says a few words or so and then a lot of that is just 
the interaction between the two and you don't really have a lot of dialogue. I think mm -hmm. they said it's maybe even five minutes long. And there was some worry that that would not go over well, that it would just be too awkward or weird, but it completely holds up. The animation yeah. and everything Absolutely. is so beautiful. It holds your attention. It just works. It's really, I like it when movies do that with animals and people because a lot of the time people, the people character will talk to the animal even though the animal can't understand them. Yeah. And I like it when there's those scenes where they're just staring at each other <laughs> because that's like the deep primal understanding more yeah, than, yeah. you know, the words aren't going to make a difference. Yeah. You know, so when they just have these moments together and nobody has to say anything, mm -hmm. it's just nice. So this movie, if you can believe it, Got some awards. What? <laughs> and it left quite an impact. The film is the first in an in incredible trilogy, as the other two films are also considered to be some of DreamWorks' best work. Mm. It's their dream work. Yeah. <laughs> they use lots of teamwork to make uh, that <laughs> the first film won several Annie Awards, but unfortunately not the Oscar for Best Animated Feature Film. There are also several different series based on the films, like Dragons, Riders of Burke, Dragons, Defenders of Burke, Dragons, Race to the Edge, Dragons, Rescue Riders, and Dragons, The Nine Realms. That's the most recent one that's still going on. Yes. There are also many short films, comics, and graphic novels. In addition to the original novels yeah, that yes. were written. Oh yes. my gosh. I believe there's a couple video games in there too. Yeah. There's a lot of dragon content. Mm -hmm. So if you like this movie, there's a lot of things you can enjoy, watch, read. Mm -hmm. Yes. I would love to go back and watch all of the series, but... I, There's so much. To be honest with you, I didn't know there were that many. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. So that's a lot, but it might be a fun uh, project to get through. How to Train Your Dragon has a staggering 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. With an estimated budget of $165 million, it received a worldwide gross of $494,879,471. That is... <laughs> is a blockbuster. It made its money back, that's for sure. And now, some of our favorite stuff. Some fun facts. Yes. Fun facts. Everyone loves them. Fun facts. The filmmakers at DreamWorks like to change the title card to be different at the beginning of each film. For this movie, you can see an outline of Toothless flying towards the moon just as the DreamWorks appears on screen. Craig Ring came up with the idea to do the title sequence that way, and it can often go unnoticed. Uh, yeah, definitely, because I didn't even know about it. <laughs> I was watching the commentary, and I saw, I saw them, or heard them say that, and I rewound it. Yeah, and looked for it, and I I, I had a hard time. I, was I had like, to do the same thing. Um, I don't. You guys are crazy. There's no dragon. I don't... <laughs> You're making this up. Yeah, <laughs> it. It reminds me of how in the commentary they talked about when Astrid is on Toothless with Hiccup and they end up flying by Burke at night. Mm -hmm. And they talk about how you can't see, you can't see Toothless at, at that mm -hmm. time of night. Mm -hmm. He's He blends into the sky. That's yeah. how they could get so close to the town because nobody's going to see them. Yeah. It's awesome. He's because a... we didn't see him in the yeah, beginning exactly. credits. Yeah, exactly. He's a night fury for exactly. a reason. Exactly. <sighs> what a cool name, night fury. Absolutely. The plates on Toothless's head look like ears but are not actually ears. The animators use them to signify emotion. Oh. It was a great addition that adds a lot of character, and he's just yes. the cutest dragon there ever was. <laughs> the big circular eyes and like the head tilt. Yep, yes. and the tongue. and the uh, mm. So cute. There were three ships that went out to find the dragon's lair the first time, but only one came back. Animators piled people in it to hopefully imply that everyone made it back, but all on only one ship. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty crazy. I don't know if they all made it back. Uh, I don't know. Not convinced. <laughs> they yeah. tried. They were like, see guys, see kids, they're see, fine. Everybody's, everybody's okay. It's okay. I mean, they, they could have just done 
the three ships. Uh, That's money. true. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. So. <laughs> and they were like destruction. Yes. Yeah. In an early thought about the movie, they were going to have the older lady be a sage and mystic in a more magical version, but they quickly decided not to. So I don't know if you guys remember the older lady. She's pretty short. She, she, she wears the the Viking helmet. Yeah, it's like she a little too big for her. She kind of oversees the training. Hmm? Isn't the helmet like a little too big for her? Yes, I think it is. Yeah. And I think at the end, if I remember correctly, she ends up with a bunch of dragons, kind mm. of almost as birds. Like, mm-hmm. you know how there's usually a person feeding the birds and they have a zillion birds? Yeah. She kind of is like having okay. a whole mm-hmm. bunch of dragons around her. She was originally supposed to be some magical Interesting. mage. <laughs> but, oh, okay. But they decided against that. I, I think it was the right call because it's already a fantastical world as it is. Yeah. What's, the what's, addition of magic might not have really... Yeah. yeah. What's really interesting about this world is that there really isn't magic. Like, right. No, yeah. Not in a way that it, that it gets practiced. Like, mm-hmm. dragons yeah. exist, but, like, nobody's casting spells. Right. Yeah. You know, like, that's not... It, it's really interesting... Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> yeah, that they yeah, even so thought about it. They were like changing. I don't know. It just seems like it's such a big change. Yeah, and it, it really solidifies this different take on the dragons, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. in most other depictions that I can think of of dragons, they are heavily intertwined with magic. Yes, mm-hmm. we talked about Draco last week, and he has essentially magic. Yeah, because yeah. he's able to share his life essence with somebody, mm-hmm. and he's made of a star basically like he's as magic as dragons get really yeah and this time they're like nope these are animals nope. and that's it mm-hmm. yeah one of the animals being carried by the dragons to the red death is the hippo from madagascar oh no <laughs> gloria no oh well they left that out of madagascar for <laughs> yeah i like that there's hippos here and yeah. just like Norse. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's with a hippo? <laughs> That's a little odd. And this is a, another spoiler for you guys. The Red Death dragon is five times bigger than he really is. So that when Toothless and Hiccup are trying to get away near the end, they can have a really nice shot of them flying up through the spines. Yeah. That's a really interesting trick of the animation there. They are like, well, you know, we want him to, you know. <laughs> yes. We, we want it to seem super dramatic, flying right through his back spines. We have to scale him up. Yeah. Ah. All right, guys, you guys have any last thoughts before we wrap this guy up? You know, this movie is one of DreamWorks' best. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. And there's no doubt that I think many people listening are going to agree with that. Yeah. Because oh, you yeah. look at DreamWorks' catalog and you've got a bunch of like mm, qu- uh, quick yeah. quick buck movies. Over the Hedge. Uh... Right. Turbo, <laughs> Turbo. Uh, Home, things like that, right? <laughs> but then you've got your, your bangers. You've got Shrek. You've mm-hmm. got Kung Fu Panda and you've got this. And this one, I don't doubt that is going to be a lot of people's favorite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Rotten Tomatoes puts it at the top. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that. We all watch it, and we're like, now this, <laughs> this is a good-ass movie. Yes. Yeah. Because it has so much character. It has so many unique qualities about it. And, it, and it's funny. It's well-animated. It's beautiful to look at. Freaking Toothless is a icon now. Oh, absolutely. You know, yep. people have Toothless merch all over the place robin was toothless once yeah yes. for halloween for halloween yes she has a cookie jar toothless that's right I have a toothless cookie jar. it's fantastic <laughs> it has left such an impact on animation in general especially dreamworks it's no surprise they're still doing dragons content yeah even though the trilogy is kind of wrapped up mm-hmm. so it's an incredible movie and the whole trilogy is fantastic yeah it's such a good trilogy and i love the story just the story gets richer, the characters get deeper, more thought out as the story goes on. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it just this the whole thing matures and I enjoy that so much. It makes mm-hmm. me really happy mm-hmm. that they do it that way. And 
I remember when the third one came out just a couple of years ago and we were stoked because yes. they aged up the characters, they made them older. Yeah. Like yeah. it was such a cool way to do it. And I'm honestly, I'm not surprised the people who wrote Lilo and Stitch wrote this movie. <laughs> This movie is so well written. The story, the pacing is great. It's perfect. Oh, yeah. It doesn't drag at any point. And I, I just, I love that it actually is just, it, it's just a concise story. It makes a lot of sense. Kids can understand it. Adults can enjoy it. This is, you know, this is the perfect family movie. Oh, yeah. And there's three of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And so that, I mean, that's so cool, you know, and I, I just, I, I can't say it enough. I love dragons. I just really, <laughs> I love them so much. So it, it's such a cool, I love seeing different takes on them, new ideas. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're seeing, this is, these are different dragons than anyone's ever seen before. This yeah. is brand yeah. new stuff. You know, and, and it's it's really cool. You know, this is like someone's imagination. They really, I mean, they pulled mm-hmm. it all out. Yeah. And it's just really cool. This is a cool universe, too. It's a fantastic universe. Oh, yeah. and, and I love that these writers, similarly to Lilo and Stitch, are able to fit in something as fantastic as dragons, something as fantastic as aliens mm-hmm. into a, a universe that feels like ours. Yeah. Right? In every other aspect, it feels like our universe, especially yeah. Lilo and Stitch, because it is. Because it's more like <laughs> right? it's more like our time period. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But that is such a cool thing, and they pull it off so well that, I mean, Lilo and Stitch is an all-time great, and mm-hmm. this is an all-time great. Yeah, definitely. How to Train Your Dragon deserves its place among the best animated films of the last 20 years. It's a beautifully animated story about two unlikely friends that make each other the best possible versions of themselves, while convincing others to change their perceptions. The film follows a protagonist that doesn't fit the classic mold of a hero, and yet his bravery and kindness prove that that's exactly what he is. Yeah, Hiccup is not the strong, confident hero no. that a lot of, you know, a lot yeah. of stories you'd think mm-hmm. that's who it would be, mm-hmm. but he he's not he's not confident at all. He's and people are always putting him down too. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even that, you know, it's just like his own thing. It's like people are telling him like you're you're pretty terrible at being a like <laughs> yeah they're like please stay away yeah Stop. right <laughs> he's a protagonist that a whole different group of people can relate to and that's yeah. really nice oh yeah this film touches on complex ideas like the feeling that we aren't good enough or that there's something wrong with us if we don't do what's expected or what everyone else is doing this movie teaches us that it's okay to not kill the dragon no matter how many people tell you that you should. So true. It has such a good message and it does it in such a fun way. I mean, repeating myself here, but it's a beautiful, <laughs> fun, funny, fantastic. Just fried. Yeah, it's a great, great time. It's a great message. Honestly, there's so many different little messages in this movie too, but yeah, you know, he finds his own way to do things and oh, mm-hmm. it's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Look at that. Yeah, look at that. Look, fully anybody has just listened to yeah. him, you know? And not just better for him, mm-hmm. but for everyone, mm-hmm. yes. including the dragons. Everybody. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, yeah. And I love how, real quick, in the sequel, they do kind of the same opening narration, but, you know, with, with the twist. Yeah. It's like, this is Burke. You know, blah blah blah. We have dragons, but yeah. then it's like freaking awesome this there time because we're all riding them. And stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty exciting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. With that, it's another case closed. Oh, <laughs> yes. look at that! And <laughs> the season now. That's it. <laughs> we're perfect. not even halfway through. Oh, oh, snap. I'm already oh, halfway, there. Halfway, <laughs> there. halfway there. Halfway there. Halfway there. Before we go, we'd like to thank our patrons, Joel, John, Jacob, Jacqueline, JD, Anthony, Shelley, Linda, Bob, and Jaren. Thank oh, gosh. you. You guys are fantastic. Yeah. We, we truly, really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Truly appreciate it. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed the extended version of this episode. Yes. That's right. You can now buy us a popcorn at buymeacoffee.com slash blackcasediary. 
And thank you to all that support us, whether it be through listening, telling a friend, or donating. Thank you. Yes. yes thank, you thank you so very much. Tell a friend. Well. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Leave a review. You know. We are at 49 reviews on iTunes. So if you want Or 49 ratings slash reviews. If yeah. you guys could just... If you, know, you want to be the big 5-0, that'd be sick. Please, and tell up. us. Send us a screenshot if you're the 50th. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then we'll talk Ooh, we about you. We would love that. We'll yes. talk about you. In a good way, though. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Except well, if, of I mean, course. if they leave a bad review. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. If yeah. it's a one yeah. star, then I'll be... Hmm. <laughs> All right. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye. We have fishing, hunting, and a charming view of the sunsets. The only problems are the pests. You see, most places have mice or mosquitoes. We have... Dragons. <laughs>